All right, guys, come on in. We're going to get started with our time of teaching. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your instruction. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your generosity. Um, <laughs> thank you for my wife. Okay. Honestly, Jesus, you're, you're, you are better to us than we could ever ask or imagine. I just ask God today that um, we could see that clearly, we could respond to you clearly, and that collectively we could do the thing you're calling us to do, whatever that is, we'd surrender to whatever that is, um, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys, um, so I mentioned this a few weeks ago. Uh, we're in a series called Lavish, and it's a series on giving, um, and it's the last week of that series. Um, and I mentioned a few weeks ago that a mentor of mine, he, kind of an older godly church leader in his uh, late 60s, he told me that people don't give for one of two reasons generally, one of two reasons. And the two sets of reasons are they're either money reasons or they are spiritual reasons. They are money reasons or they're spiritual reasons. And uh, for us as a church, um, we, um, over the pandemic, because we're starting to get ba back up and running, we've lost over 27 people moving out of state, moving out of the city. And uh, that caused us to enter into a space where we realized that our, where our giving was at uh, could not maintain where our budget was. Uh, but it's a uniquely challenging thing because we're also experiencing uh, huge growth in our kids' ministry simultaneously. So we lost certain people, uh, but we have a lot of other people who need care. And the thing about kids is they can't give. They're the ultimate consumers. They just show up. They take ministry. They never contribute um, until they're a little bit older. I'm just joking. But, uh, but it's created a situation where we're trying to figure out what we're going to do moving forward. And we try to be transparent with you guys about that. And so week one, we just laid out that that need is there. Uh, but simultaneously, um, God often uses moments like this in the history of the church, throughout church history, throughout the history of Israel, uh, to create spaces to, to grow his people in generosity. And so what we said is what we want to do is share the need with you. Um, we want to teach what the scriptures say. We want to ask you to pray and go before God and ask what he's calling you to give. And then we will surrender um, as leaders to whatever that is. Um, if the budget were even to go down, I mean, that, that would be hard. Uh, but if that were to happen, that, that, would be, uh, that would be kind of what it is. Um, but but we, we kind of decided before we made any drastic kind of cuts to the budget, laying off staff, that type of thing, we wanted to make sure that we were doing everything we could as leaders to shepherd our church into lives of generosity. We hadn't taught on generosity in four years. And so, um, again, kind of looking at that idea of the spiritual reasons and the money reasons. Um, for some of you guys, you couldn't really give sacrificially historically because you were in a lot of debt that you've recently gotten out of. Uh, for, for others of you, um, you've gotten big raises, and you just you, you haven't adjusted your giving with that. We haven't talked about it a lot, so you might not even think to do that. And then for others of you, you guys are newer believers, and you, you've never, again, one of the things we talked about, I think Martin Luther said the last thing to be converted, there's the head, the mind, and then the, the purse. And so you're like, man, I just wasn't ready, but now I'm realizing I, I may be ready. And so as a church, we just said, hey, we want to go before you, lay these things out, and then we'll see what happens. We don't want to manipulate anyone, um, but we do want to call you to, to generosity. And again, I'm okay with the budget going down if we're being as generous as we can be in obedience to Jesus. Does that make sense? And so... So that's the series. Uh, the series is called Lavish. Uh, the, the tagline of the series is generosity through us that reflects God's grace to us. And, uh, and it's a reference to Ephesians chapter 1 where the Apostle Paul writes, uh, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7, In him, Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace that he richly poured out on us with all wisdom and understanding. And so again, today is, so it's this lavish grace poured out on us. 
these riches poured out on us. And so today is Generosity Sunday. Again, over the past few weeks, um, we've asked you to get to pray through what a monthly pledge could look like for you. Um, and as you land on a number uh, to let us know so that we can plan. And so today, uh, what we're going to talk about is following through on whatever that number is, following through on whatever that pledge is. And to do that, we're going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. So you guys have Bibles turned there. We'll also have it on the screen. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 in the CSB. By the way, this passage is going to flow out of where we were two weeks ago before the retreat in 1 Corinthians 16. So Paul writes this. He says, 2 Corinthians 8, starting in verse 1, he says, We want you to know, brothers and sisters, about the grace of God that was given to the churches of Macedonia during a severe trial brought about by affliction, their abundant joy and their extreme poverty overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their parts. I can testify that according to their ability and even beyond their ability of their own accord, they begged us earnestly for the privilege of sharing in the ministry to the saints. Like, man, we really want to give. Verse 5, and not just as, ad, as we had hoped Instead, they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us by God's will. So first to the Lord, then to us. So we urged Titus that just as he had begun, so he should also complete among you this act of grace. Now as you excel in everything, in faith, speech, knowledge, and in all diligence, and in your love for us, excel also in this act of grace, this act of giving. I'm not saying this is a command, rather, by means of the diligence of others, I am testing the genuineness of your love, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. And in this matter I am giving advice, because if it is profitable for you, who began last year, not only to do something, but also to want to do it, so there he's saying, hey, you landed on a number. You set it aside weekly, like 1 Corinthians 16. Now he says, uh, verse 11, now also finish the task so that just as, you, so just as there was an eager desire, there may also be a completion according to what you have. For if the eagerness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. It is not that there should be relief for others and hardship for you, but it is a question of equality. At the present time, your surplus is available for their need so that their abundance may in turn meet your need in order that there may be equality. As it is written, the person who had much did not have too much, and the person whose hand little did not have too little. So we're going to bounce around this text today. There's multiple lessons you could take away from this text, all right? Um, and, and I'm going to start with a, a couple different points, but the first one is this. Generosity is hard. Generosity is hard. Uh, again, in verse 10, he says, And in this matter, I am giving advice because it is profitable for you who began last year not only to do something, but also to want to do it. So last year, you wanted to give. Verse 11, now also finish the task. So you wanted to give. You were getting ready to give. You had set the money aside. And then when it came time to do it, you're like, I don't know. That's a lot. I know, I know we gave ourselves, but like that just seems like a crazy amount. And again, in 1 Corinthians 16, uh, we looked at this two weeks ago. And we talked about um, how to give. Uh, Paul says, now about the collection for the saints. 
Do the same as I, instruct in the as I instructed the Galatian churches on the first day of the week. Each of you is to set aside something and save it in keeping with how they are prospering so that no collections will need to be made when I come. So set aside based on your, your income. Uh, set aside an amount that makes sense for how God has blessed you, essentially, right? Um, a proportional gift. Verse 3, when I arrive, I will send uh, with letters those you recommend to carry your gift to Jerusalem. If it is suitable for me to go as well, they will travel with you. We kind of got into that two weeks ago. I don't need to get into it today, but Paul's saying there's a way for you to feel okay about where the money's going uh, in the first century, and then they do that, right? So now, at, at, as you read 1 Corinthians 16, you don't know if this happened. You don't know if they actually took the collection. You don't know if they actually took the offering. You don't know um, what happened. And 2 Corinthians tells us Paul's still hoping that it happens. He's still um, calling them towards this. So in 2 Corinthians 8, we see that they may not be sure if they can carry it out. And so when God wants to grow us in generosity, he often puts a desire in our hearts to do it. And it's real, right? And by the way, this isn't just generosity. We, we have all had moments in our life where the Holy Spirit's like, I want you to obey me in an area. And you have a moment where you're like, I think I could do that. He's like, confess this thing. You're like, you know what? I think I could do it. It could be a retreat. It could be an amazing moment of prayer. Could be an undeniable just encounter with him through another person, and you're like, you know what? God's calling me to this hard thing. And then again, when that rubber meets the road of obedience, you're like, this hard thing's pretty hard. And and, and I don't know. But but fam, often the way that we grow is by responding to those promptings. Not just in the area of giving, again, in any area. Again, again, the righteous will live by faith. Faith is synonymous with trust. In the New Testament, he often will ask us to do something that, that, that requires us to trust him. And oftentimes we grow spiritually when we do trust him. Does that make sense? But gosh, there's that struggle there. In 2 Corinthians 9, 7, it says, uh, or 2 Corinthians 9, chapter 7, it, it says, um, each person should do as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or out of compulsion, since God loves a cheerful giver. And we'll dive into this passage at the end of the message. But in Greek there, when it says decided in his heart to give, um, in Greek, that's in the perfect tense, which means it's something you decided to do in the past that continues into the present. Like you decided to do it and it's going to move forward. He's saying it's time to, 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 to put your money where your mouth is. But here's the thing. It's normal, again, for us to go through a battle to obey God with our lives. And maybe it's just me. I don't know about you guys, but, but generally as a pastor, I see often with people, people will often know what they should do, but they just don't want to do it. And so many times when I sit with people in pastoral care and we're talking and, and I'm listening, and so often they already know what to do if I just ask like three questions. They're just like, I don't know if I want to do it because it isn't easy. But to become like Jesus, there has to be a death to ourself and a resurrection with him daily. But it isn't easy. I remember I was on staff at a church in L.A., and um, I'll never forget this story. There was this girl um, who was eight years old, and she, um, she essentially, the kids' ministry at our church did, it was, a, it, was like a, it was like a mega church. They had large swaths of children of different ages, and their eight to ten is like 50 kids, a bunch of kids like Calvin's to, to, to Clive's age. And they actually did an offering. Uh, they did like a World Vision offering. Like, we're going to raise money for these kids in Latin America. We've got rice. We've got beans. Uh, we want to raise money for them. And a little girl um, in our church, she had been saving money for a guitar. And uh, her parents had told her, hey, if you save $100, we'll cover the rest. Have you guys ever had an arrangement with this, like this with your parents? Could have been a car. Could have been a 
guitar, could have been whatever, an outfit, whatever, shoes. And uh, so she had been doing chores and putting her birthday money aside, kind of the Nana fund was just getting, you know, starting to stack, uh, stack paper. And uh, she got to $43. And she goes to church this one Sunday, and she hears about the special offering for, for these poor kids in Latin America, uh, rice and beans. The spirit touches her heart. She goes home and just announces to everyone, I'm giving the $43, I'm giving $43 to this, everything. And her mom, you know, she's touched by her generosity. You know, God's moving on her heart. It seems like a big sacrifice. Again, that's what the Holy Spirit does. He calls us something beyond ourselves. And um, her mom's like, hey, are you sure? Like, that's a lot of money. Like, $43 is net worth territory <laughs> when you're, you know, nine years old. She, and, and so she said, hey, how about you go pray about it? And she prayed about it. She said, no, I, I'm supposed to do this, Mom, and it might take longer to get the guitar and da 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 And so the next week, it's Sunday, and it's time to go to church. And it's time to bring the offering, and her, and her daughter has a funny look on her face, and she just says, you know, her mom, she's watching, hey, what's going on? She's like, I, I changed my mind about how much I'm going to give. I think I'm going to do $10. Now, again, $10, quarter of her net worth, right, you know, maybe 22%. But this is big for her. This is a huge gift for her. But her mom, you know, her mom's wise, and she's kind of watched this whole thing happen, and so she tells her again, hey, maybe you should go to your room and pray to Jesus and just ask him, if it's $10, that's great. You know, but if you prayed about this $10, she said, I didn't pray about the $10. I just feel like $10 is it. And she goes, okay, well, go pray about it. And, and again, if Jesus tells you $10, that's beautiful, sweet. That's awesome. You do that. You don't need to do any more than that. And so, sure enough, um, she goes in and, and she checks with Jesus and she comes out with her whole piggy bank. She goes, it's the whole thing. <laughs> and she says, okay, you know, and, uh, and so then she goes, she takes them to church. She's pretty excited that day about it. And then that night, uh, her mom was actually, her mom could actually hear her crying in her room. And the mom goes in. She says, hey, sweetie, why, why are you crying? And she said, because I have to start all over again, saving for my guitar. And now I don't have the money to buy it. And then her mom said, do you wish you hadn't given all the money? And the little girl said, oh, no, I'm glad I gave the money away. And I'm glad I did what Jesus called me to do. I'm just sad I have to start again. And that's exactly how life in the spirit when it comes to generosity works. It's hard and it's amazing. Oftentimes we think if Jesus is in it and it's supernatural or whatever, it's going to be just easy. Just walking on sunshine, walking on clouds. Kind of heaven now. If it's Jesus, often there'll be a cost. Of both hands. I'll get into it. I, I think it is worth it, but it's not easy to do. So if you have this internal battle, even as you consider what giving might look like, that, that makes sense. Uh, you, you will start to second guess yourself. But this is exactly how generosity grows. And we see this in the passage. Again, the first part is that there's this, there's this moment of God supernaturally putting something onto your heart. This is like, I know what I need to do, where I need to go, what I need to give, what I need to say, whatever it is. And then the second part is our, our sin nature, our, the fallen part of us that's like, hold on, that could be really hard. And when the fallen nature comes up and begins to bait and we begin to struggle, we need someone to come into our lives to encourage us towards the right thing. And that's what the Apostle Paul does in this moment with the Corinthians. You've already decided this thing. I want to encourage you towards it. Or like this mom in the story, she encourages her back towards the thing that Jesus is calling her to do. So he says, give yourself to God, ask him for clarity, let the Holy Spirit take you back to what you originally committed. 
Maybe today for some of you, you feel like God might be calling you to grow in generosity, but you're just not sure. And I want to challenge you to, to again, ask the Spirit. And if you feel like you have a number, man, go with that. Okay? Number two, uh, generosity. It's not just hard. It's an essential aspect of becoming like Jesus. Generosity is an essential aspect of becoming like Jesus. In 2 Corinthians 8, verses 6 to 7, Paul says, So we urge Titus that just as he had begun so he should also complete among you this act of grace. Now as you excel in everything, in faith, speech, knowledge, and in all diligence, and in your love for us, excel also in this act of grace. And the act of grace is financial generosity in the context of the passage. So they had grown in several areas, right? Like love. Who doesn't want to grow in love? Faith. Knowledge. He's saying now it's, now it's generosity time. Now it's time to become like Jesus. I remember um, about four years ago, I very poorly but, but enthusiastically coached Clive's baseball team. And one of the things we would talk about was hitting. And, and one of the things we would talk about, you know, is where are your feet, where are your hands, where's your bat? And a hand check, feet check, bat check. And Paul, it's kind of this moment with Paul with them spiritually. It's like you want to excel, not as a baseball player, but as a follower of Jesus. It's like knowledge, check. Love, check. Are you going in love? Are you going in faith, check. Right, kind of like Forgiveness, check. Self-control, check. Generosity, check. There are no mature Christians who are stingy. There are many mature Christians who wrestle deeply to trust Jesus with this area, and they're continually growing in their ability to do that. But there's no one who goes, not a chance. (laughs) I'm never going to share the things Jesus has entrusted to me. So for some of us, for us to take the next step in becoming like Jesus, it does require us to give sacrificially. And again, if there's ever a generous one in the history of the world, it's Jesus. Which leads to my my third point. Generosity expressed is always preceded by generosity that's already been received. Generosity expressed, in other words, generosity through us is always preceded by generosity to us. We're not people who go, I'm going to give money to get something from God. The prosperity gospel does that. But not just prosperity gospel. A lot of us, we do like a low-grade moralism. Like, if I can impress God with how much I give, he'll make my life better. I'll have the spouse of my dreams. My kids will obey me <laughs> once. I'll get that house I want. I'll, I'll get the job I want. I'll, I'll just feel more loved. No, 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 no. It, it, worship is a response to what God's already done. Generosity is also a response to what God has already done. And that's the story throughout the New Testament. We love because he first loved us. Forgive, forgive as you have been forgiven. Give because you've received. Second Corinthians 8, starting in verse 8, he says, I am not saying this as a command. Rather, by means of the diligence of others, I am testing the genuineness of your love. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, right, quite a gated community, heaven, for your sake he became poor so that by his poverty you might become rich. Now, you could read this passage and be like, Andy, he says it's not a command. (laughs) Giving, it's not a command, right? I I don't have to obey in this way. Well, the for therefore there means, Paul is saying, because you know about Jesus, I don't have to command you. It's like, you already know about Jesus. I don't need to command you or twist your arm. 
It's not that you have to give, it's that you'll, you'll want to give, or you'll start to see increasingly even that you get to give. I remember one time I was doing a, um, a membership interview. Matter of fact, I was doing a membership interview. I, I've told the story before. She's cool with me sharing it. I did a membership interview with uh, Sarah Ballard when she had been a Christian for like two years. And one of our membership questions is, um, are you willing to give 10% of your income? Why or why not? And we've already gotten in throughout the series. We've gotten into, it's not about the number. It's about the, your heart, and it's about the, the sacrifice. Um, but that's a good question to get a feel for where people are at. Historically, it makes a lot of sense, all that stuff. And uh, again, you can say no and be a member, just to be clear. But it's a good, uh, a good way to get a feel for where people are at in terms of financial generosity. And she was like, wow, that would be a lot. And then she said, with tears streaming down her eyes, other people made this commitment before me, before I was a Christian, so that I could experience Jesus. And then she goes, I, yeah, I want to do that. I, I really do. I can't believe that people gave not knowing me so that I could know Jesus. And, and it's, it's a similar, something similar starts to happen in us as we experience both Jesus' grace to us. We start to get not just like, oh, he did this, so man, I want to respond. It, that, that's a reality. Gratitude's a reality. But also an awe of what partnership with the king of the universe looks like in renewing all things. I get to be a part of that. I get to sow into that. I get to see people be restored in their relationship with Jesus. And so on paper, here's the thing with generosity. We're giving to people, if, if we think of it as to, to people, before we think about giving to the Lord, then to others. Um, at the end of the day, it's people who don't deserve it. It's, it's non-Christians or it's Christians who've messed up their life and need a lot of help, need a lot of ministry. But, but here's the thing, it's, it's called Grace. And that's all of us. At different points in our lives, different seasons of our lives, we will become aware that we are not enough. One theologian connected to our church, he says, one way you can define grace is just help. When you know you need help. And if you are a true follower of Jesus, a true disciple of Jesus, you absolutely know what it's like for someone to give you a radical, generous gift you didn't deserve to give you a new, a fresh start in life. And that's what we, we get to partake in uh, with giving. I, think about, I always think about the picture of uh, Barabbas. It's kind of the Good Friday picture. Jesus is on trial, and Pilate's trying to calm the crowds down. And so he brings out this guy who is a terrorist and a guy who has, um, you know, t literally killed people, and they know about it. And he's, you know, that's just where he's at. And he doesn't care, and he's hardened and, and all that stuff. And, and he comes out, and they go, man, do you want Barabbas or do you want Jesus? Do you want Barabbas or do you want Jesus? And the crowds just cry out, man, we... We want Barabbas. And actually, we have all been in that space of Barabbas, where a radical act of sacrifice and generosity, we're the ones that deserve judgment. We're the ones that deserve to be cut off from God. It's Jesus that takes it instead of us, and that starts a whole new life for us. And so generosity isn't a response to that reality. And one of the most gospel-centered things you can do is give sacrificially in response to his sacrifice. Which leads to my last point. It's probably my favorite one. I don't know. They're, they're all good. Generosity leads to joy. This text says generosity leads to joy. In 2 Corinthians 8, verses 1 to 2, Paul again says, We want you to know, brothers and sisters, about the grace of God that was given to the churches of Macedonia. During a severe trial brought about by affliction, their abundant joy and their extreme poverty overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their parts. 
2 Corinthians chapter 9 says this, verses 6 to 7. It says, the point is this, the person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And the person who sows generously will also reap generously. Each person should do as he has decided in his hearts, not reluctantly or out of compulsion, since God loves a cheerful giver. Okay, generosity is hard. It is not easy, but it leads to joy. Throughout Scripture, when the Spirit's on the move and people give as the Spirit leads them, it leads to joy. 2 Corinthians 9, 7, where it says cheerful giver. It's one of my favorite, <laughs> favorite things in the Bible. Uh, the word for cheerful, cheerful giver there um, uh, is the word hilarion. And it's, it's where we get the word hilarious. <laughs> it's like you laugh as you put the money in. Like, I can't, believe, I can't believe this. I get to give to this thing. Jesus is so good to me. Like, I'm just going to give, right? Oftentimes we talk about the fact that the gospel is almost too good. It's good news, but it's almost too good to be true. When you get that, you know, when you, when you see that great exchange, how hard it is for Jesus, but how easy it is for you. He goes, man, this is ridiculous. I love him. He loves me. That's not changing. I long for all of us not just to give sacrificially, but to love that we get to do it. Because it's a priority in our hearts. Again, Jesus decreased his standard of living. And in a way that opens up to uh, increase our standard of giving. Again, Jesus is wired differently than us. I don't know if you've ever thought about this uh, idea as well. Jesus' greatest joy came when he gave. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. In Acts chapter 20, it says, uh, Jesus' quote is saying, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Like, you guys remember when Jesus said it was more blessed to give than receive? Now, again, that makes like a really great, like, Christian meme or something, I don't know, like a, a bumper sticker or like a, I don't know, like a, like a Christian swag sweater, right? It's like, more humble rappers, please. It's better to give than receive. That rhymes. <laughs> that, was a, that was freestyle, guys. That was off the top. You're welcome. Now, it, it's like, oh, that, that's a cool saying. I kind of like it. Um, but it's, it's really hard to believe that, right? I mean, just think about it. Like, are you, generally, are you more excited to give than to receive? Probably you're more excited to receive, at least without thinking about it. You're like, ah, oh, probably to receive. But I also want you, man, as fallen people, we may believe it's better to receive, but I also think we see a lot of evidence that it is better to give. Again, Jesus is growing us step by step to become like him, to become people whose greatest joy is to give not to receive. Um, so real quick, imagine for a second, uh, uh, just close your eyes for a second. No one's going to steal your purse. Relax. Imagine for a second, I hand you the winning lottery ticket. And it's a big one. Okay, It's $200 million. And now I want you to imagine that you have a choice. Okay, You can give all of the money away or you can keep all of the money those are your two options. If you're like, who plays the lottery anymore? Okay, imagine it's an insane crypto tip. You buy this coin in mass, 10,000% increase in your account this week. Right? But 
You give it all away or you keep all of it, right? It's one or the other. You can open your eyes now. I don't know about you. That would be a hard choice for me because everything in me is like keep a lot of it and give away a lot of it. Give away a lot of it and feel like a hero while keeping a lot of it, right? That would be so generous. Did you give me half, whatever, you know, millions of dollars. Now, here's the thing I want you to catch. Jesus said it's better to give than to receive, which means we have to decide if when Jesus said it's better to give than to receive, was he just saying a religious, you know, pithy statement, or did he actually mean it? Because if we're going to keep it all, that means we don't, be- we don't trust him. We actually don't believe that that's true. And he's the smartest mind in the universe, the creator of life. He shows us how life works. And he goes, if you want to experience more joy, give, don't keep. So again, if we want more joy, we need to grow in our generosity. Now, now a, uh, more a macro version of that same challenge. Um, how many of you guys um, remember a Christmas gift that was given to you as a kid that you were just so pumped up about in the moment? You forgot about it about a week. You forgot about it like a week later. Anybody have a moment like that? Oh, wow, okay. All right, I like this. How about a month later you forgot about it? Okay, right? Um, I don't remember really the toys I got. I'm going to be honest, as a kid, okay? Um, I have many moments where I gave gifts that I'm so glad I gave them, like if I'm honest. Like maybe in the moment I'm like, I'm watching this move, I'm watching the money move from here to here. But in hindsight, I still have joy about it. Well, there are times where I got something, and very quickly it got old. It was outdated. I mean, iPhones. It's like you have 10 seconds to be current, right? Cars. I was in my friend's car the other day, and I just couldn't, I couldn't believe it. I, it was so nice. <laughs> I'm not in nice cars often. I was like, dude, this car is nice. It's like, don't tell me. Stuff goes out quick. Sorry, I forgot where it was. Stuff goes out quick. We compare ourselves to what someone else got. We get bored with it, right? Your lack of contentment shows up quick. All I wanted, all I wanted was this, Lord. If we could ever have this, it would be a miracle. It would be a faith store. If we ever just got this thing and then you get it, you're like, okay, just a little bit more, Lord. Just a little bit more, right? But so often when we give, we might regret it but initially, but so often over time, we're, we're excited about the fact that we gave. 2 Corinthians 8, 1 to 2 again, it talks about the story of the Macedonian church. It's a church to the north of the Corinthians. And they were going through severe economic depression, persecution. And Paul's telling their story as a model for what generosity can look like. They actually did believe it was better to give than to receive. If they had to pick, they would give. They trusted him. And Paul uses the word overflowing joy with severe trial. He's like, that overflowing joy in the midst of the severe trial. And again, Paul's putting words together that I don't think we think should go together. Does that make sense? You're like, oh, these should be in two different sentences. You don't have overflowing joy in the midst of a severe affliction. Does that make sense? That's what we think. But Paul's saying, man, as a matter of fact, you can you can know a freedom that's bigger than your circumstances. And one of the ways to experience that is to grow in the grace of generosity. Family, there's plenty going on around us that's outside of our control, for, right? Like that's just been our last two years. 
There's a lot that happens in our own lives, in our own bodies. I had a, little, I had a weird health thing these last three weeks. And it's like even our own bodies are so unpredictable. Circumstances outside of us only grow more and more unpredictable. But one way we can grow in joy in the midst of all of that is by growing in generosity. One way to for sure not feel joy is to just focus on what we have or don't have in any given moment. I promise you living in a space of generosity and open-handedness is better because Jesus knows what he's talking about. And he said it's better to give than to receive. And so right now we're going to go into communion. We'll call Angel on up here. Jesus, I thank you that you're not a savior who calls us to something that you haven't done for us yourself. I thank you that you gave us a graphic, living, breathing picture of what sacrificial generosity for the sake of joy looks like. You showed us what it looked like to get our eyes off of ourselves, to, to first give ourselves to the Lord and then to give ourselves to others. You, you did that with your cross. You did that with your resurrection. I thank you, Jesus, that you give everyone in this room identity and dignity. That for those who can only afford to give a small gift, you say, well done, I am so proud of you. And for those who um, are able to give big amounts, you say, well done, I am proud of you. Thinking you don't love us based on how much we give. Thinking that before we do give, we do receive. And thank you for the promise that you'll, you'll lead us into joy, that there is a joy for the open-handed that just isn't there for the tight-fisted. There is joy for the open-handed. And Lord, I pray you would make us an open-handed people, not just generous towards this church, but generous to different men and women in their lives, generous to, to friends, to family, generous to people in our neighborhoods, generous to different causes that we think your heart just bursts for. We're called to excel in this grace. So many of us have saving goals or even spending goals, stuff we want to save up to buy. But so few of us have giving goals. Lord, would we be people who every year we want to give more? We want to grow in the grace of giving. And so right now, I, I, I just want to pray against shame and against guilt. And I, would just, I just want to pray remembrance as we come to communion. I want to pray joy and freedom and gratitude into our hearts. Holy Spirit, would you, would you remind us of the generosity of our King? who was so, so rich and became beyond poor. Who showed us that authority looks like getting underneath those we lead to lift them up, not to stand on top of them to crush them. So that's what we celebrate at communion, your death in our place, that you did this for us. Help us remember, Holy Spirit, help us remember Jesus. And what our giving flow in response to that. In his name we pray, amen.